Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of This Is My Story. Today I have a special guest and I can't wait to introduce him to you. But thank you for tuning in. We believe here at This Is My Story, your story matters more than you know. And so today I've got an amazing guest, very, very special person uh, in Emily and I's life. And uh, I want to welcome him. This is my father-in-law, Emily's dad. So Gary, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kevin. It's good to be here, man. I, I remember... It's been probably around 20 years or close to that that uh, you was in our studio and I was interviewing you. So now now the tables have turned a little bit and God is, uh, has given you the mantle, so to speak, to, to carry on really something that we started many years ago when we first met you and you had, you know, nose rings and dreads and whoa you know, whoa not a nose uh, ring oh no i mean those big ring. those big round things in your ears whatever those are called yeah <laughs> you yeah. know it was a it was kind of a different uh different scenario to us because i grew up being a cowboy and it was it was a little bit different but we'd been on the the wakeboard pro tour circuit for a while and ministering there so we we kind of we weren't shocked by that, but yeah, but we I saw, was fortunate you weren't shocked by that. <laughs> we we saw your heart, and we knew that we knew that God was working in your heart, and so we're privileged to to have uh, have you as a son-in-law, and it's exciting to see what God's you doing in you and Emily's ministry together. So. Yeah, Gary is a board member on This Is My Story, and uh, originally started Word Song Ministries, and in a, in a sense, This Is My Story is really birthed out of. Gary's uh, passion and vision for stories uh, way before there was YouTube, way before there was uh, Instagram and podcast. You are streaming across television networks, uh, studio, uh, similar to this, but just much nicer, older equipments. We, oh, were yeah. just, we were just joking about how the camera that we're filming on right now is about five times smaller, but about 100 times better quality. It's, oh, man, that's amazing, the technology and God's... God's put all that together, you know. He, he's, he's the one. He's the one that's orchestrated the the technology so that we can spread the word, and that's really what this is all about. So. Yeah. Well, I love that. Used to interview athletes and different people and have them on your show. I was, I was scared to death. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were on the show, uh, it was bright lights everywhere, and you asked me to sit down. And Emily and I had just met about two months prior to that. We weren't actually officially dating, but you said. Um, Kevin's here. He's uh, dating my youngest daughter, Emily, and uh, it was a pretty big shock to Emily and I. <laughs> well, we weren't dating. Yeah, well, we we never were uh, big on on the the dating scene, and so we, you know, we had we had put you in the in the space for the son and son in law, and yeah. praying praying you in that direction, you know, and we could remove you at any time we wanted, but, uh, Oh yeah. Well, Bart, <laughs> Bart, your uh, son could have removed me. He didn't. Thank God. So I love, I love your family. I'm so thankful you're here. We're recording this right before Thanksgiving and, uh, at our house in the studio here, uh, before we dive into your story, I want to thank our sponsors. You know them both, but, uh, Christian healthcare ministries, phenomenal organization. And so link will be below for that ministry. Check them out because they offer a very timely resource for uh, all believers, which is a, a cost-sharing member service for health coverage. And so dive into that website. It'll be a link below. And then also Word of Life Bible Institute and Camp Ministries all around the world, but primarily in Florida and New York. Uh, be sure to check them out. There'll be a link below. We love those guys. I speak often at their camps and um, different conferences that they have. And so if you're looking for a, an education in, in Bible, send your kids there or you yourself go. So not an age limit. 
All right, Gary, give me the one-minute version of your, your testimony you and bet. how you came to know Jesus. Yeah, well, I was raised in a Christian home, but uh, that doesn't make me a Christian. Uh, but uh, at a young age, and I don't really remember because it, it was uh, something I did on my own, I remember in my room one night just after I'd been in church, and I just felt like God was telling me I needed to get born again, get saved. And so I, I did, and I I uh, grew up uh, going to church Christian family and so forth, but uh, but there were a lot of outside influences that kind of came into my life, and I I kind of strayed away from the Lord a little bit during my during my uh, probably junior high school years. Of course, they call it middle school now. That was junior yeah. high back then. But uh, but unfortunately, one uh, let me just tell you a little quick quick story. I I was uh, I was my parents had an apartment in the basement of our of our house in in Denver there and. Uh, I was uh, down there checking it out when some people moved out, and I found a stack of Playboy magazines that were on a shelf in there, and I started looking at those, and I knew that was wrong, and yet uh, yet I was so drawn to those. And uh, I, uh, I after after a couple of days of that, my parents hadn't cleaned that place out yet. I, I decided I'd get rid of those, and I, I took them out and threw them out on the field behind behind our house, and that was probably the wrong thing to do because then <laughs> then the rest of the neighborhood could could benefit from the from the uh, the porn that <laughs> that I was looking at, but uh, but I knew that was wrong, and uh, I confessed it before the Lord, and uh, I knew it was wrong, but I, I felt like I felt like. Uh, you know, I, I knew the Lord had forgiven me, but yet I felt there was still something I needed to do. And so I had to go to my parents and confess that to them because I was in their house. I was under their leadership. I was under you know, their authority. And I didn't have really peace in my heart until I until I uh, confessed that to them, which is which some people may say that, well, that's crazy. You just have to confess to the Lord. But that's not true when we're when we're in a marriage or we're in a, a relationship, a father and mother is, is over us, uh, an employer, whatever it is. When we've sinned against them in a specific area, I believe it's important for us to go and to confess that. So I, I did. God set me free, and I, I never wanted to go back on that again. It was still a troubling thing through through a lot of years in, in my life. But, uh, but finally, a, a number of years later, after Jane and I were married, I just really— I really got fed up with was struggling with that and asked asked the Lord to just help me in that area and he did it was it was amazing what he did I, I I've never heard this kind of testimony from anybody before but you know our our minds are amazing because they take images and pictures and they'll yeah. keep those you oh, know yeah. and they'll hold on to those for for a long time well God when I asked him to he took all that stuff and I mean he washed that cleansed that stuff out of my mind I didn't I never I don't have any recollection of those, and maybe just because I got old. No, no, but <laughs> you know, the the Lord really took that stuff, and He He took that away from me, took the desire, and gave me a desire for Him and just a hunger for Him. And uh, you know, I asked Him when Jane and I were first married. You know, just just fill me through Holy Spirit, give me what I need to be the kind of man, the kind of husband, the kind of father, and the kind of minister that I need to be. And God began to do some, some amazing things. I'd been, I'd grown up, uh, on, on, uh, spent a lot of time on my uncle's ranch and I grew up being a cowboy and do, did, did a lot of rodeo or a little bit of rodeo not a lot, but a lot of, a lot of cowboy. And that was kind of my, my lifestyle. And I loved that. 
and uh, and when Janie and I were first, uh, or uh, we were a week away from getting married, she came to the first rodeo she that I that she'd ever seen me in, and I I came out of that shoot that that evening on this big old bull. He'd he'd been out of the shoot twenty twenty two times. And, oh boy! And uh, <laughs> and I turned out to be number twenty three uh, that uh, that landed on the on the ground. Just I hit the ground right as the buzzer. But uh, but anyway, Janie wow. kindly asked me after that if I'd if I'd mind giving up that uh, that that sport for her, and so I, I did. And we we grew up skiing together. We met at a camp at a very very early age, a, a Christian camp in Colorado. There, I always tell people I fell for. Her. They had what they call a pillow fight in pole, and you'd get on that pole and you oh, hit, yeah. you hit your partner with the with the pillow. Well, I was standing on one side of the pole and she was on the other side, and we just happened to come to that pole at the same time. We probably or seven or eight years old, I would say, about wow. that time, maybe maybe nine or ten. I don't know. We were pretty young, but that was really kind of the first confrontation I had. Little little redhead gal, and uh, she's sitting over there, and I think, man, she's pretty small, and I'm pretty good size. And I thought, man, you know, my parents told me not to hit girls, and so <laughs> so I I thought, well, I'm gonna at least I'm gonna let her hit me first. Boy, she took a swing at me, whap, she hit me, and I was on the ground. <laughs> I mean, it was it was all over with. So. Yeah, Janie's got a lot of fight in her. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah, and a so, lot of fight. So we uh, we ended up uh, later on. She was the later on in high school. She was the snow princess of that camp, and I had the privilege. Oh boy! Of, of, she was my date at the, at the at the at the banquet that night, and and I kind of I I tell her all the time that was when I kind of fell for her and gave my heart to to her with without really kind of even and even thinking about it, and uh, and God brought us together and let us let us be married. We've celebrated fifty years, and we I have so many things that God has done over the over the years, but that's kind of the just the general, you know, rundown yeah. of our testimony. So yeah, I like hearing that. That's the first time I really heard. I remember hearing the story about you in the Playboy magazine and the pastor. Very similar to my story. I think it's kind of how it was discovered back in the day before internet was just roaming through some old Playboy magazines. And it's the the saddest reality is that today it's inundating on all oh. phones for kids. And yeah, um, you know. But I think what you said spoke to me, speaks to anyone James says in the book of James, you know, confess to one another your sins. And I do like what you said, the headship of marriage or being under the roof of uh, uh, your family. Um, I remember speaking at a church here in Orlando where I challenged the youth to do the same thing. I spoke about, I think it's Acts 8.32, where it says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I had this analogy of of wearing a backpack and I put a lot of bricks in it and I had a, a volunteer come up and and said, you know, hold this. And I was planning on them standing there for about five minutes while I was giving an analogy. The next thing I know, it's been like 15 or 20, and I, and I totally forgot they were standing right there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, how was that? Well, it had been long <laughs> enough for him to actually feel really, really heavy. Um, it ended up playing out pretty well for, you know, this comparison of how heavy it is to carry a secret sin or to carry a habitual sin over yeah. and over. And so for anybody listening, you know, that relationship that we have with God, it is it is crucial right that god would um we would confess to god that he would forgive us but it is something about sealing it making it public that releases the power uh, from our lives and i think god knows what he's doing when he says that we should confess and so um, a lot of those students went home and uh told their parents one kid told his grandparents several weeks later we spoke at a uh, retreat for that youth group and uh, many of them came up and and told me that they were struggling with something 
pornography or whatever, and they went and confessed that thing to their parents or some loved one or some close person in their life for accountability. And the joy that they had, like this one, Acts 8.32 says, you will be free. Yeah. It's it's free from yeah. heaviness and free it's from bondage. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it, it really is. And it doesn't matter what it is, if there's an addiction of some kind in your life, you don't have to try and work that out on your own. In fact, you can't. The Lord doesn't even want us to try. He just wants it, us to give it to him and let him cleanse us, set us free, and bring us that freedom and that joy that you're talking about. And that's the only way you can. I've, I worked with the, for, for a couple of years in our church there near, near our home. I, I worked with the addictive uh, people in, in different, different types of addictive behaviors, drugs and alcohol and porn and some of the other stuff that we see frequently today. And, and uh, you know, the only freedom that they could get was when they realized that they couldn't do it on their own, but God had to do that. And that's what I saw, you know, happen in my life. And, you know, I praise God for that every yeah. day. Yeah, I did. I wanted to ask you a couple of things about that. I know originally you had uh, followed your dad's footsteps with the business that you had a concrete company there and then did full-time ministry or part-time ministry while you were also working full-time running that business. And since then, you've retired, but also I feel like you're way more busy now than you, you know, even where when you were running your we own are. business. So you're doing outreach, you've been, you've been doing addiction ministry. Um, it kind of leads me into a time when I remember um, you had recently been working on um, construction of a home, you and Janie and, and the family out there building a home in Colorado to, to sell, and you slipped and fell in the ditch walk us through that story and then what ended up actually transpiring for you physically but then walk us through what how that impacted your view of yourself and then view of other people and ultimately what god did through that scenario certainly yeah let me let me give you a little bit of a background just before that we had janie and i had uh, retired and and uh, turned our business over to our son bart and Bart, by the way, is such a blessing. He's doing such a great job yeah. running that business. Yep. He's expanded that business so much in the last, that was about 11 years ago that we did that. And uh, we really felt like we should we should do something to make some, ourselves some more income and be, you know, be able to give more and be a, a bigger blessing. So we decided to build a house not too far from there, bought some property and build a house. Well, during that construction, as Kevin mentioned, I... I was, uh, we were pouring concrete, we were pouring the foundation walls for the basement, and uh, I, uh, I, you know, I, I had uh, slipped and uh, actually fell on my head, on the back of my head, and broke my neck. Well, I, you know, a lot of people say, well, why would God do that to you? Well, God didn't do that to me. I did it to myself. I yeah. should have gone up. I got a ladder. I was reaching way over the form, trying to push some rebar into into the form and trying for a adjoining wall that was going to be in there later. And uh, and I went up, gave that a big shove. Well, the rebar went, and so did I, and ended up in the on the on the excavation down the ground. Well, the amazing thing about that is I broke uh, C1 and C2 in my neck. Okay. Uh, anybody that's familiar with that type of injury realized that's a, that's a serious injury. And I didn't even know what I'd done at the time. But what normally happens to people when they break those, those two vertebrae, only 2% of people actually survive or walk away from that injury. Well, I was laying there on the ground, and Janie was up, up above me. The kids, 
my son and grand, grandson, granddaughter, a few of the kids were actually helping us with this pour, and they saw this happen. And so Janie said, you stay there. I'm calling 911. I said, no, I just, I just, you know, I, I was I was a rough, tough cowboy. And, you know, when you fall yeah. off the horse, you you get back up and get on. You know, yeah. so that's <laughs> that was my my feeling. Except and not I, this time. I was I decided no, no, I'm going to get up. Well, come to find out later, after I I'd, I'd done this, that injury is the reason that the statistics are so so low as far as survival is because when you break those two vertebrae, basically there's nothing supporting your spinal cord up at the base of your spine. And so what happens is people do get up because they have all the feeling in their extremities and they can get up because their muscle, their muscles still work fine. They haven't lost any use. And normally what happens is then their, their head kind of tilts over, breaks their spinal cord, and they usually end up dying or, or end up as a quadriplegic. So, so I'm laying there and I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to get up and, uh, it was like I had I had full use of all my my limbs, my legs, my arms. Everything was working just fine, but I couldn't get up. It's like it was almost like something was sitting on me or holding me down. You know, I wow. I I think back now on that, and I I really believe that you know God had a big angel just had his hand on my chest or just holding me down. I couldn't get up. Well, the uh, the paramedics came. They put me in a in a neck brace backboard and got me out of that hole, which was which was kind of a, a pretty tough thing to do in itself and and took me uh, by ambulance into into the hospital and when we arrived at the hospital uh, they you know of course called ahead and there was 26 doctors in that tr- that trauma room and uh, Janie counted them and uh, wow. she she was she was like you know is there room for me in there you know they said come on in you know stand stand with your husband and so forth and usually in that type of injury uh, there's also internal injuries and so forth. Well, they did all the tests and all the scans and everything. And I mean, we were in there for quite a few hours for tests and they found nothing but just those, those broken vertebrae. And so they, they put me in a neck brace and, and actually just sent me home. And, uh, I, I struggled for about, uh, about four months wearing that neck brace. And the reason I struggled is because, well, a number of reasons. One, my pride said, said, you know, you're, you're too tough to to have this kind of injury. Secondly, I believed pretty much every day when I'd pray that the next morning I was going to wake up and I was going to be healed because I believe God's my healer. When Jesus bore those stripes on his back, he said he bore those for my healing. And so yeah. I was believing every day for that. The third thing that was, was kind of keeping me from, from, uh, from really – you know, experiencing, I think everything God wanted me to through this, this thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God did this to me because God's not the, he's not the giver of broken bones and broken necks yeah. and accidents and injuries. Satan's, Satan's the thief and the liar. But this, you know, happened to be my own doing that did this. I was the stupid one that didn't, didn't get a ladder when yeah. I should have. And so, so I, I had a lot to learn through that, but I learned that I needed to depend on someone else besides myself. Yeah, and, that's hard. You know, you know, and when you've when you've done stuff all your life and <laughs> you've been on your you know, on your own and run a business and you've you know, you've built things and you've done a lot with your ridden, hand, ridden bucking it, bulls. I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, 
I can I can take care of this on my own. And it's like God says, No, you can't. You know, you're gonna need you're gonna need others around you, you're gonna need your family, you need help. And so I had to humble myself and say, Yeah, I can't do that. I need your help. And so the other thing that, that happened during that time was I'd I'd always kind of made fun of people that had depression issues. And uh, if you're if you're listening to this program, watching this today, and you have depression issues, I understand really where you're coming from because because uh, y- you can actually be a born again believer and be a strong believer and believe in everything that Christ did on Calvary, and yet still have depression issues. And yeah. I know I know many people that are in that in that position, and I you know my heart goes out to you because. Yeah. You know, I I just always thought, you know, well, if, if I have the Word of God and I believe in what God's Word says and I have the joy of the Lord in my heart, there's no way I could be depressed. But but yet, yeah. yet I'm laying here. I can't sleep at night because I've got this crazy thing on my neck, you know, and I... and. And you know, I've always been so close to my wife. We we, we didn't even sleep in the same room because, because yeah. I you know I was up up all night and tossing and turning what have you. I was never good at sleeping on my back. I'd always snore and you know I just <laughs> I, like I was just I, it was I was a mess. And so you know it was it was partly due to the physical aspects of it, but yet the mental thing. You know, Satan was really coming after me and telling me you know life's over. You're really doing not not much good and you know and whatever and so i went for four four months in that thing and just it was just it was a struggle in fact i even had one night where it was like almost like a a dark cloud came into that room and i could just i could just feel this wow. presence and it was like it was like you know the the enemy was saying you know just just kill yourself what you know what yeah. good are you and so wow. you know so i i could at that point i just began to just praise God and confess his word and just believe that that he was all he said he is and that uh, you know that I didn't have to struggle with that and God just just really released me at that point but what he did during that during that time during that struggle was he gave me just a real a sense that I needed to understand what people other people go through and what they've been through because to me it was all just cut and dried you know if you believe the word of God and you stand on that yeah, you got it made. There's, you should never have depression. You should never go through yeah. suicidal thoughts, those kind of things. But, but Satan will come and try to to destroy you in that way. And so, you know, so it gives me a real heart for for people yeah. that that are struggling in in those areas. Yeah, and understanding. Yeah, it does. And so, so well, it, you know, I just I just continued to believe God that I was going to be just miraculously healed. Well, it didn't turn out that way. I had to go into surgery, get, you know, get surgery on that neck because it wasn't healing properly. But yet God uses doctors. He uses surgeons. He uses medicine. And we just have to believe that. And to me, it was almost like, you know, I had to lay down my pride and say, yeah, I've got to go to the doctor. I've got to allow this this guy to, you know, to cut on me to fix, to fix this. It was like, you know, I didn't want to do that because I was really believing God all the way through that he'd be my healer. Well, he still is. And he still did. Yeah. And he's, he's still, he's healed you in a lot of ways, just deeper Uh, to me. It just, it solidified in me that God's always going to do big things in your life and always going to use your story because you are, kind of this double-edged sword now you've already had the the word and god's faith deeply in you but now you've had this struggle that uh was really heavy really dark and 
now now you understand how God can use both, you know, yeah. together. So yeah, and the thing that's so amazing about what Jesus did when he was here, he said, he said, you know, the word says that he was easily touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He felt. You know, the reason he wept at the tomb of Lazarus is not because he'd he'd lost a friend there. Yeah. He, he wept there because he felt what Mary and Martha, you know, were experiencing. He felt those things. That's that's the thing that God, uh, he gives us the ability to do that when we're, when we've been through stuff like that. We can feel what people are going through. And so today, yeah. as you're, as you're watching this, this program, uh, I believe there's people right now that you need, you need a touch from God. And Jesus is feeling what you felt, and he's he's been through everything that you experience. And I believe that God can heal you and bring you peace and bring you joy and bring you back to where you need to be with him and your relationship. And you can't do this on your own. He's the only one that can do that for you. So I just you just need to call out to him and ask him to do that in your life today. Yeah. You know, if somebody's listening, they're there have somebody in their life that's kind of like that person you were ministering to who was addicted but isn't isn't walking faithfully they're struggling maybe they're relapsing on drugs or addictions or they're just far from god what would you say you've learned that could help somebody be patient and what would you say you learned in your process that helped you well i think the main thing that i would say with people that are struggling with anything is you were saved by grace it's not works. There's nothing you could do to get yourself to heaven. There's yeah. absolutely nothing. So that's the first thing you need to understand. So if you've asked Christ into your life and you're saved by his grace, that's that's number one. Just believe that. Secondly, there's nothing you can do if you're his kid that can separate you from his love. And you say, well, you know, I've messed up. I went back on drugs. I went back, you know, to the bottle, whatever it is. I went back into porn. Do you know what? God still loves you. His love has not changed. Basically, there's some things you you need to change. No question about that. But you, like I said before, you can't do that on your own. But something I found that we, we need to do is we need to to begin to confess what he's said and what he's done in his word. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteous of God in in him. Amen. And, you know, how righteous is God? <laughs> That's how righteous he made us. And when you begin to understand that and you begin to confess that over yourself, you begin to see God change you, and you begin to believe what His what His promise says, what His word says. Because, you know, I'm not I'm not I I I we worked I worked for a lot of years in the prisons in the ten or the twelve step uh, alcoholics anonymous thing. Yeah. And the first thing they would always say is, "I am an alcoholic." And you know, there's there's nothing wrong with confessing that you. You you are, but the second thing is you need to confess that I was. Yeah. And this is where I was, and Christ set me free. Even though I'm not maybe possibly walking in that total freedom, he still set me free, and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of what I've done or what I'm doing. 
And I'm not defined by those things. I'm defined what what Christ did on Calvary. And Amen. so that's the main thing I think you need to see yourself the way God sees you, complete and whole and lacking nothing and standing before him clothed in his righteousness, not your own. Amen. All right. Well, as we think about wrapping up here, is there anything else maybe you'd want to touch on or share about your story? The, the only thing I want to probably share just a little bit of, and I'll make it quick, is, is Janie's story. My wife, yeah, Janie, yeah. we, we passed 50 years here a couple of months ago, and, and, uh, and yeah, it's hard to believe. It's crazy, you know, 50 been, years. We've been married that long, but God has been so good to us. But about 11 years ago, she was diagnosed with nodular melanoma. And the doc, I remember that young doctor, I still remember that day, he came into the room, and he wasn't trying to pull any punches. He wasn't trying to make it smooth or anything. He said, you have nodular melanoma. I'd give you six months to live. And he told, he went through the scenario of what things would happen to her. She went, you know, over the six month period of time and the things that would happen in her body and so forth. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't really scare us. It didn't frighten us. It did, you know, we, we just sat there kind of surprised, yeah. but yet it did not scare us. Uh, the fear that a lot of people have when the, when they hear that word cancer, it didn't come into us because we are, we're in a win-win situation. Yeah. If she was going to die in six months, you know, I didn't want to see her go. We knew she'd go to heaven. Yeah. That's a win. If she was going to stay here, we knew that God was could heal her and would heal her, and so we just decided to take the healing route. He said, "There's no way that you that." Uh, that we can do much for her. We, there's some experimental stuff they're working on. You know, we can put her in chemo and do some do some things that'll, that may help. But there's not a lot we can do with this type of this type of cancer. And so it's like, if you can't do much with this, then we're not going to even come back and see you. So we, yeah. you know, and I I don't don't get me wrong. I believe in doctors and I believe that they do a good job. But in this in this situation, you know, there was nothing they could do. So we decided. To what we would do was trust the Lord completely and totally. And the first thing we did, I called my my sister on the phone and told her we're we're close. I had one sister growing growing up. That's all that was my only sibling. And she gave me the scripture right off the top of her head. It was really prophetic. It was from Psalms one eighteen. It says, You shall live and not die and declare the mighty works of God. And it was like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we received that. That sounds that sounds just like God, you know. And so that was the first thing we based based our, uh, our 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 faith on was that scripture. You will live and not die and declare the mighty works of God. I don't know which translation that came from, but but anyway, you can look up. It's I think it's yeah. Psalms 118 verse seven or some somewhere it might be verse thirteen. Anyway, anyway I don't I don't remember but Google God it. God yeah Google it. Uh, but God has has good plans for you. And uh, so we just decided that what we were gonna do it, we were gonna do everything we could in the natural. Uh, so we changed our diet drastically. We went on a juice fast, fasted juice for about six six months uh, and then kind of stayed on that for close to a year and a lot of the family i know you and emily and yeah. a lot of the kids went on that with us and it was a, yeah i tried <laughs> i tried for a while i didn't commit <laughs> was, to the full thing it was tough yeah and yeah and so we did that uh, we we uh uh took a lot of uh herbal supplements we we found some stuff that uh 
that we had found on online and from different people that you know was good for for cancer and what what so forth but the main thing that we did well two things that i believe that were the most important things one we took daily communion we spoke that's cool over her and remembered what jesus did because when he died on calvary it wasn't just for your sins it says salvation that word salvation that you see in most places in the new testament is a word called sozo and that word means basically not just uh, forgiveness of sins it means healing of our body mental our mental condition our physical yeah. condition everything about us everything that we eat is covered by that word sozo so we be- we believe that so we took that communion every day we believed god for by the stripes of jesus janie was healed the other thing we did that i think really made the difference is we we had uh, Emily I know helped and Tammy helped and we put down on paper all the healing scriptures we could find in the Bible and we would rehearse those over her and confess those of her, over her three times a day, at least twice a day, usually three times a day. And we called those our gospels, you know. Yeah, God, I love it. The doctors give you pills to take two or three times a day. Well, we did that with the Word of God and I believe doing all those things and you say well what which one was the most important well i don't know but i'll tell you this god <laughs> god had had you know the the answer and uh, we believed it was his word and so we confessed his word and, and ended up you know within within six months she was she was actually feeling pretty bad before that and she was pretty much almost back to back to normal and god just yeah. healed her and she's she's living a full productive life now and we've never we've never been back to the doctor since so yeah it's been over 11 years now it has yep yeah it is uh phenomenal so i love what about your story is that you have a scenario where janie was diagnosed with cancer you took your faith enacted it you know you also took the the medical route and also the herbal route um and i like how you said Look, we don't know which one it was. Does it matter? No, she's here. She was healed. She was doomed, you know, destined to die in six yep. months or less. And it's been over 11 years. And then you have another scenario where you break your neck. You don't get healed, but you're still here sitting in this chair talking about the goodness of God, Amen. the grace of God, the salvation of Jesus. And uh, I love that because if you hear one side of the story, it's like, well, good for you. You know, that didn't happen to me. I, I prayed for healing and my, my mom died of cancer or my friend or someone that I know died of cancer. And, and you could sit here and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I know what it's like to pray for a miracle and not get it. But you're also saying when I didn't get my miracle, I still found my way back into this faith that's driven by God's love, his work in my heart. He worked through that painful season when your miracle wasn't healing your neck, but your miracle from the Lord was he took away a sense of pride that was more deeply hidden and rooted in you that he utilized uh, an accident and as something in your life that would ultimately bring about depression through the enemy. You know, you start to think about how you're not good enough, how you can't produce productivity, working, building things, giving, traveling, whatever that might look like. That thought is what the enemy turned against you and, and used to ultimately work from the inside out to destroy you, which you said, you know, brought you to this place where you wanted to kill yourself. And, and uh, you cried out to the Lord, prayed to the Lord. And in that process, he exposed this area where you could repent, Amen. where you could say, God, yep. I was prideful. So now you have these skulls, these screws in your neck. 
but you have a healed heart for other people. Amen. Yep. I'd, so I'd, I'd much rather you probably <laughs> have a broken neck and have your heart renewed and restored than to walk around hard-hearted and maybe not patient with people who aren't perfect and have a great neck, perfect Amen. neck. Yep. And I yep. know you well enough to know that that's true. And I, I see this more, even more ever-present, gentle person that is um, loving the Lord and, and you're not even restricted. You're still out building a church in Wyoming for, uh, on a native American reservation, you and Janie living out oh, there yeah. for a year, you broke your neck building a house. Now you're back out doing it on the mission again. So God's still using you, man. And it's always encouraging to me and, uh, appreciate you so much. Yeah. Well, God is, God is good. And, uh, like Kevin said, we're, we're right now we're in the middle of building a a church up yeah. in uh, Riverton, Wyoming, on the Indian Reservations. We're working, working under a ministry called Foundations for Nations, where that's not our ministry, but it belo- it's a yeah. ministry that belongs to the to some of the folks that have been called up there. But but uh, it's interesting how when you're faithful in uh, in in one area, God will usually give you a graduation card and say, "Here, now I got something bigger for you to do." Well, I I've never been. We've we've I've built a little bit of of uh, commercial stuff, but this is a big building, 125 foot square building. About this is going to be over 20,000 square feet in that building, and a multi-purpose building for a church and a rec center for the for the native people up there. And it's exciting to to be involved in that. And it's kind of like over pa- over above what I'm what I'm able to do. But I just yeah. have to trust God for for that, and uh, and He's helping me. Uh, through that and so we're excited to see that we have this week the reason we're in Orlando is because we've got uh, 12 native kids high school kids are going to be down here we're going to yeah. and Kevin's going to be ministering to them and sharing. yeah they're going to be going through scarred for good the new curriculum yeah yeah amen and that's that's exciting and we're we're really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with that so yeah me as well yeah thank you for so much for coming on the podcast amen it's been so good. So as we wrap up, uh, if you're listening, I hope that you'll share this video, share the interview of Gary had. I know that there's so much within this interview, this conversation that will speak to someone if it hasn't spoken to you directly already. Uh, I've learned a lot just listening to Gary. A, that his faith is rooted in God's word. And so if you're struggling to have faith, go to God's word and uh, ask the Lord to reveal to you. Search things, even if it's on Google, search Google. If you don't have a Bible, messages, but if you the easiest thing is to jump online and Google. If you're struggling with depression, the easiest thing to do is jump on and put in Bible verses to help with depression, and God will speak to you through his word. And then I encourage you, go get a physical Bible to look those verses up in your Bible. Yeah. There's nothing better, more powerful than holding a tangible uh, book of God's word in your hands. The other thing I would say is that you know, wherever you're at, whatever you're hoping for, if you're believing for a miracle, give it all that you have. Believe in God for a miracle. And if you haven't received a miracle, do not let the enemy steal from you what God wants to do. It may be like what happened into Gary's life where it was more his heart that God was wanting to work through in the time of loss or the time of what seemed like an unanswered prayer. Uh, God is always at work when we don't see him. He's still there. And so we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Please share this episode with your friends and uh, give it a like. And if you haven't subscribed already, please go ahead and subscribe. And remember... Your story matters more than you know.